Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I'd like to, um, I'd like to start today by asking you a question. If, if you have any children, I would think that you have had a conversation at some time about what they will wear or what they will not wear. Huh? Particularly when, when it comes to either going to school or coming to church, it's, it's uh, you know, put that on or take that off because you're not going like, like that. And the older they get, the more intense the conversations can, can become. Amen? And, and sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, church, if, if God the Father doesn't actually have these particular struggles on getting dressed and what to wear and what not to wear with his children. Because today I really want to talk to you about getting dressed. Turn to somebody and say, get dressed. And as we we talk about that, it's interesting that as we're going through the book of Colossians, that in chapter three of Colossians, Paul begins to write to them and literally talks to them about getting dressed. Some of the things that they need to put on and some of the things that they need to take off because some of the clothing, I'm talking about spiritual clothing, some of the clothing relates to the new person that you are in Christ, while some of the clothing that we're currently wearing has nothing to do with Christ whatsoever, and it's related to the old life. Pastor Moses just said we're going to baptize eight people. The symbolism of baptism is that you die with Christ and that you come up out of the water a new person. Not that we would, you know, have people naked in the, because that would be another problem in the pool, but, but in reality, that's what Paul's talking about. That literally, God doesn't want you walking around spiritually naked and so that everybody sees your shame, so he provides clothing for us in the Spirit. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that, that this goes all the way back to the garden? How many, how many know that God is the first fashion designer? Huh? Before Gucci, Armani, all these other, all these other designers, God was the first designer. And, and here's what happened. Adam and Eve were created. They were put in the garden. They were naked. They sinned. They, they became afraid. They saw their shame. The Bible says they hid. They hid in, in the garden and they sold fig leaves for themselves. And, and God came along and said, you're not going to dress like that. God says, take that off. And the Bible says he killed animals, sacrificial. And, you know, it was a sacrifice pointing unto Christ. It was sacrificial. And and he clothed them with animal skins. God says, here's the way that you are going to be clothed. And, And since the garden, God has been struggling with human beings on the things that they will wear and the things that they won't wear. And and how many, how many will, will admit today that How many will admit today that whatever's happening in your heart also has an influence on what you wear on your body? Hmm? We can look at people and say, oh, interesting. 
must be something going on in your heart for you to, to dress like that, for you to you know, present yourself like that. And so what Paul is really saying to us today is, I want you to present yourselves in a way that glorifies God, and I want you to put on clothes that God has provided for you. You used to wear the devil's clothes. Now, you know, in our day today, we even... We even have people that just want to run around naked. Now, isn't it amazing? God created us naked, clothed us with glory. Then we sin. We're full of shame. And then today, what does everybody want to do? They want to parade and take their clothes off. Always on the opposite spectrum of what God is saying and God is doing, always in inappropriateness. But really, when Paul was writing to the Colossians now in chapter 3, saying, I want you to be appropriate and I want you to dress right. I want you to dress for the occasion. I, I want you to dress for life. Because they were still wearing some clothing that didn't belong to that, to that new life. And so I want you to stand with me as we read out of uh, chapter 3, and, and starting in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And then we'll go back and we'll, we'll break this down. And Paul says here, Since you have been raised to the new life with Christ, set your your sights, your eyes, your focus, your attention on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, or another translation says, set your mind about the things of heaven and not of the things of the earth. For you died to this life. That's what baptism is. You died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Therefore, watch this, because of this, in verse 5, he says, So put to death sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Do not be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You, need, you used to do these things when, you know, when, when, when your life was still part of this world. Verse 8, but now, but now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, or malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have been stripped of your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Then he says this, not only are you going to put off some things, he goes, now I want you to put on some things. He says, put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Did you hear that church? Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Who has to clothe themselves? You, me, us. We must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, above all that you've just put on, he says, clothe yourselves with agape, 
We talked about that. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In other words, another translation says, love is the perfect bond. Think about glue. It is the perfect bond. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be, always be thankful. Father, we are thankful. We're grateful for your word and for your son and all that you've done. Thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you that we know you. Thank you that we were once in darkness, but now we're in the light. We were once darkness, and now we are light. You said that we are the light, even as you are the light. And we thank you for this great call. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your hand that is upon us. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. Before you're seated, high five some people. Tell them to get dressed. Come on. Get dressed. Get dressed. Get dressed. Get dressed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's, let's, let's do a little bit of a, let's do a, little bit of a, a recap. In, in chapter 1, uh, Paul talked to us about the preeminence and the excellency of, of Christ and, and who he is and that he is a, above everything and above everyone and, and that he was from the beginning and that he's part of creation. All of creation is, is through him or by him. And, and so all of it really hinged on, on you know, what we sang about God being God all by himself, that, that God needs nobody else. And so uh, Christ is the preeminent one. Then in chapter two, he begins to break down uh, philosophy and wisdom and knowledge and you know the Gnostics were teaching that there is greater wisdom that is found in, in philosophies and philosophers than there, than there was in Christ and that Christ wasn't enough and, and Paul debunks all these philosophies and I've, I've brought you some from a religious standpoint from even today uh, some of our, our modern world thoughts and philosophies that are always trying to cast dispersions and, and, and cast shadows on the person of Jesus Jesus, the excellence of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, and ultimately, is he enough? Is he enough? And, and it is amazing to me, the, you know, even as we sing, you know, you have no rivals, you have no competitors, there, there is no one equal to you, and that is the truth. But the reality is that whether it is the demonic realm, the fleshly realm, uh, society and thoughts and what have you, there is always this push to, to cloud Jesus, to, to make, make it look like there are rivals, make it look like there are competitors, even make it look like there is a replacement. That you, can, that you can either live without him or in some way, if you're not going to live without him, let, let's add to him. Let's, let's add a little bit to him so that, you know, we will make him all sufficient. I, I want you to notice here in, in, in the very first verse where, where he says that we're to set our, our sight, we're to set our, our thoughts, our reality on Christ because he is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand. Why does Paul tell us the location of Christ? Why, why does he do that? Because the Gnostics were saying he wasn't worthy of honor. They, they were saying he wasn't divine, that he wasn't enough because he had come in the flesh and everything in the flesh, everything in the material world is evil. Only the spirit world is good. Therefore, Christ couldn't be all good or otherwise he wouldn't have come in the flesh. He'd have come in some kind of a spirit form. And, and so they were saying, you know, even Pastor Ranjeev shared with us last week how they were, they were saying that, you know, 
Jesus was created by God. God doesn't create God, God is. God has always been. People say, where did he come from? God always was. And sometimes our finite minds cannot understand and comprehend, well, well, what do you mean he doesn't have a beginning or an end? No, he doesn't have a beginning, he always was. Well, who created God? Nobody created God, God was. God will always be, that's what makes God, God. He, he is perfect, he's not, he's not evolving, he's not in a process of development. God has always been perfect, he never changes. And Christ is right there with him. Christ is right there in the place of honor. And so what Paul was saying is he's not a demigod. He, he's, he's not a created being. And so they said, oh, okay, then, then what we need is we need angels. We need to talk to angels to, to get to God. We, we, we need mediators. We need interpreters. We need people that will help us. But, but I want you to understand that Jesus came to fulfill the law so that he would become prophet, priest, apostle, that everything we would require before God is found in Jesus. Jesus. It is amazing to me in, in big ways and small ways that there is always this push to somehow go to somebody else to take us to Jesus. All the time. I had a, I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a student of mine, not, not this past semester, the one before, raise her hand in the class. She said, prof, I I don't know what I, I, I mean, we were in a, I think we were in a leader. No, it might've been a, it might've been my preaching class. And, and she says to me, prof, I, I have a question. I'm, I'm, I'm really troubled. And I, I have a question. I said, okay. And here was the question. She said, she said, I, I am forbidden in my church to pray directly to God. I said, what? She said, yes, I'm, I'm forbidden to pray directly to God, I, I need to invoke the name of my pastor. Okay? I, I said, what? I, I'm trying to understand this, and this was a sincere question. She goes, yes, prof, and every time I, every time I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, they, they rebuke me because I have to go through the man of God. Okay, so let me, let me give you the, it would be like I would teach you this. When you pray, you pray to the God of Tony Soldano. This is being taught. This is being taught. They, they, they even post things like, you know, the, the God, it would be like the God of my father, Tony Soldano. My friends, listen, listen. I believe in honor. I believe in respect. But what that is, is manipulation and control that, that draws people to themselves and, and puts them in a position where they now they become this intermediary. Like, like you, you, you need me. You need me in order to get to God. No, you don't. No, you don't. As, as much as, yes, we have pastors and elders and positions in the body of Christ, at the end of the day, church, let me be very clear, you don't need me to go to God. Huh? And, and you go to the Father because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And so... He, he redefined it when he rose from the dead. He said to Mary, now, go tell, the, go tell my disciples that I, that what? I ascend to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. 
your father. You have, you have direct connection. Now, where do they get this? They get this out of the Old Testament where, you know, where, where it talks about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Now, watch this, though. You have to understand that the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, yes? So, does Peter ever teach that we're to pray to the God of Peter? To the God of Paul? To the God of James? I mean, if anybody, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, why, why didn't he say, when you pray, you know, invoke my name? No, no. The name that you come to is the name of Jesus. There's no other name. And church, I, I watch these, I watch these subtleties, I watch these little things, and, and many times people will use this idea of respect and honor and authority, but watch this, they, they push it to such an extreme that they literally push Christ out of the way and they put themselves in the way. And not only that, then they, they teach things like, you know, your, your destiny is connected to me. And if you're not connected to me, evangelist, then, then you cannot fulfill your destiny. Now, how many understand that, how many understand that spiritually we have assignments and we are, we are connected to people for, for sure? But my friends, listen, the only one, the only one that has the destiny of your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And anybody else run away? So I said to the student, I said, leave the church. I said, leave the church, tell them, you know what, I want to leave in, in peace, I want to leave in, you know. And she said, then she said, then she took it up a notch. She goes, but prof, they said to me, if I leave, I'm going to be cursed. Go ahead. Stay in the huh? Stay in the huh? Slavery and bondage and, and fear over the, over the people that literally they are, they are reenacting things that God delivered people from, huh? Because of power, because of authority, ultimately because of money. Let's call it what it is, right? Let, let, let's call it what it is. And I'm telling you, it's not God. And so I was, I was like, how do these heresies happen? How did it happen in the book of Colossians? Were, were all these false teachers behind pulpits? No, you know what was happening? It was, was, it was word by word, and somebody came over and had a conversation, and hey, you know, I had a thought, and I heard sister so-and-so say this, and brother so-and-so said that, and what do you think? And all of a sudden, how, how many understand that a lie spreads before the truth? Huh? Somebody says a lie will, will, will go around the world twice before, before truth gets its boots on. Now, the beauty of truth is eventually it arrives. Hallelujah. Eventually it arrives. Eventually it's a, it, the truth comes out. Every time I hear the news, you know, I say to myself, here, here, here is my comfort. I, I comfort myself in this. There is a God in heaven who is in charge and the truth will come out. The truth will come out. And everything will be exposed. But church, you know what? The nuttier they are, the crazier things they do, the, the more they enslave people, the more they're respected. And the more people give. Huh? And, and, and you know what Paul said? He says, he says, do you love me less because I speak the truth to you? Church, can I speak the truth? If I preach anyone other than Christ, if I, if I ever put myself in the position of Christ in your life, run away. Run away run away, but because I fear God, not because I fear you, because I fear God, we, we preach the truth because we're going to have to give an account. And so even yesterday, I'm walking around the neighborhood and I'm praying. I said, Lord, 
I said, for all my failures, all my faults, all my, I said, Lord, I don't even believe I'm a good shepherd, to be honest with you. I said, but one thing I know is I have always desired to lead the people to Christ. Always the point of the Jesus to say, he's the one. He's the great shepherd. And so Paul says, set your Set your eyes on him. Set your mind on him. Set, set your mind on the, on the invisible things, not just the visible. Set your, your mind on the eternal things, not just the temporal. And, and even Jesus said this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Church, don't chase things. Let things chase you. If you are a God chaser, things will chase you. I went, to a, I went to a birthday party yesterday, and uh, one, of our, one of our people had a significant, I don't know if she's in this service or not, but uh, she had a, a significant milestone, and, and so she had rented, in Brampton, by the way, rented this like, um, uh, like a bed and breakfast, but it was like a 10,000 square foot home and all these 18 bathrooms. I wanted to use all of them. To be honest with you, I wanted to like... I'm like, it was that kind of, I'm like 18, like this was phenomenal. And, and so, and so talk about a God moment. So, you know, your pastor, right? He starts touring the place. I start like, you know, and eventually I run into the owner. The owner is there, beautiful African lady. And, and she said to me, pastor, I said, yes. She goes, I've come to your church. I said, you, you, you did? She goes, I came to a Mother's Day, and she goes, I was so blessed, but you know, there were so many people, I didn't get a chance to meet you. She goes, and, and here you are in my house. And she grabs me, and I'm like, okay, we're in uh, awesome, you know? And, and uh, then she's like taking me around the tour, and, and, and all the time, all the time, all she can say is how great God has been to her, how thankful she is, how blessed she is, and, and there's things on the wall. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, I could have retreats here. I could bring the, I could bring the, I could bring the leadership team here. And, and so I'm getting like information, and, 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 and I'm watching this, and I'm saying to myself, wow, all I, all, honestly, all I was talking about was the house and 18 bathrooms and a sleep 26, and, and there's a pool there. And she's telling me how great God is and amazing God ain't it? See, when you chase God, things will chase you. And, and I could tell by her spirit, I could, I could tell by her, you know, her vocabulary that, that, that the things had not gotten her. They, they didn't own her. They, she recognized, I don't even, by the way, I didn't get her story. I didn't get her testimony. I don't know where she came from. Did she come from money? Did she make that? I, I have no, I have no idea. I'm sure the property is worth millions on millions. And, but, but my friends, it was, it was God that did it. It was God that did it. It's not that you can't have things. I've always told you is don't let things have you. And then, and then don't behave, don't, don't clothe yourself like you're, like you're always having to show something. Pastor Mo went to a bakery, and I'm not even going to tell the whole story, but uh, he was there with Emily, and they were, they were talking about an individual. You know, do you know, what, you know the individuals I'm talking about? They got, they got massive rings on their fingers. They, they got the bling, you know, usually their, their shirt, I got to be careful that I'm online, you know, their shirt is open, and... The collar is out, and, 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 huh? You know what I'm talking about. The pride, the pride of life. 
Church, what you have nothing to be proud about. Everything you have is because of Christ. Everything. Everything you own is, is, is because of the Father. Everything you have is because, I love what Prophetess Nancy said, it's the kiss of heaven. <laughs> it's the kiss of heaven. It is, it is the kiss of, of your Father that wants to bless you and, 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 and wants, to have, wants you to have good things. And I, listen, just, just, I don't know, a week or two ago, I was, I was, uh, I was going golfing. I had taken the day off. I was going golfing. I'm on the 404 heading north. And, and, and I, what I didn't know, I don't know if you heard about this, was that there was this massive fire uh, this truck had rolled over on the 404 near Stouffville, and literally, literally, I, I'm, I'm coming up to Stouffville, and uh, I see the traffic slowing down, which is kind of normal if you live in the kind of the GTA, right? And all of a sudden, I just kind of hear the Lord saying, get off! I'm like, okay, but if I get off, I don't know where I'm going, but, and I... I punch it, so I get off at Stouffville, and then I hear on the news how there was this truck fire, and that if I'd have stayed on the highway, I'd have been on there for hours because every lane was shut down. Now, can you imagine your pastor on the highway for hours? It's not a good situation, bro. God said, no, I can't have this crazy man on the highway. And so, and so I, I got to golf instead of... Come on, you say, you say, God doesn't, yes, he does. He may not care about you like that, but he cares about me like that, hallelujah. And, and listen, if those things matter to you and you're grateful, I'm telling you, God will take care of you. And so he says some things here. He's, he gives us a list of things. By the way, the, do you notice that you're supposed to take off more things than put on? By my calculation, you're supposed to take off 12 things and put on eight. He talks about putting off fornication, which means immorality or sex outside of marriage, outside of the marriage of a man and a woman. And by the way, whether you're Christian or not, the definition of marriage is a man and a woman. Not particularly politically friendly, but it is the truth. And people are waking up to it. Uh, he talks about uncleanness, which means physical or moral impurity. You know, you know what I have found? That when people come to Christ, even if they're dirty on the, inside, on the outside, when they get cleaned up on the inside, the outside gets clean too. Passion. The idea of depraved thoughts and ideas, evil desire, covetousness idolatry, which is greed and lust and, and the worship of images or people or um, it could even, by the way, could be your children. It could be your spouse. It could be your job. It could be your car. Huh? Isn't this what Jesus said? Down here, rust and moth are going to devour, but if you're, if you're sending treasure up to heaven, if you're sending up treasure to your heavenly account when you get there you're going to have material to work with huh some of you are going to be living in sheds I'm telling you you're going to you're going to be in heaven but you're going to be in the shed and they're going to say to you sorry you sent nothing up here you're going to look at somebody's mansion you're going to look at Pastor Moses mansion and you're going to be like I want to move in with Pastor Moses and he's like get out of here you're not going to move in with me go live in your shed <laughs> Jesus said, send up 
the material, send up the resources up there where, where there is no rust and there is no moth and there is no thief. He talks about anger. Not that anybody here has anger. Or wrath. Or road rage. Huh? Corey has road rage. He just got out. Praise God. Um, malice, which is wickedness. Blasphemy. Filthy language. Lies. Lies, which is falsehood or, or deception. And we, you know, we, we convince ourselves that, well, well, you know what? If, if, if it's not too bad, then we call it a, a white lie. I don't even know what that means. I guess black lies must be bad. White lies. <laughs> where, where does this stuff come from? Oh, pastor, it's a, it's a, it's a white lie. Here's what God says. Every lie is a lie. Um, some of you husbands lie to your wives. Does this look good on me, honey? And you ain't going to speak the truth, right? And can I help you? Husbands, can I help you? The next time you're asked that question, just say, thou knowest, Lord. <laughs> or say this, say, woman, who am I to express? <laughs> we lie to our children. Our, our little grandson, our little grandson was over this week my pastor Carolyn's watching online and she's watching him right now and I had said to him I said oh and tomorrow tomorrow Nonu's going to go to the store he's going to buy you cars he loves those little cars and I said how many cars he goes two, two, two. I said what color blue green okay and my daughter was putting him down for a nap I didn't say this in the, in the 8.30 my daughter was putting him down for a nap and as she was leaving the room he said to her, none are going to buy me cars. Thursday came and I was leaving the church and I'd left late and, you know, they're calling me and they're like, dinner's on and coming. And I said, I have to go to the store. I have to, I have to buy these cars. And my daughter's like, dad, you know, he has lots of cars. I said, no, 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 no. I said, no, no, no. No new said. No new said. I'm coming home with cars. And I get to the store and my, my bank card, they had messed it up. My bank card didn't work. I didn't have cash. I didn't have the chip in my head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here, scan my head. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, Visa. I, listen, church, short of stealing it, I was coming home with cars. Huh? And when I came home, I said to him, what did Nonu say to you yesterday? He said to me, cars, Nonu. Because I want to develop in him, when I speak, you can trust me. When I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm not just doing it to, well, if you just, I'll give you ice cream if you shut up. No, you pour out the ice cream. 
Church, you don't even recognize you destroy your own credibility. Whether it's with children, in a marriage, with staff. The staff knows. I have never, I, I believe I have never, ever, ever said something and not come through because they'll tell me, you said, Pastor. You said. Sometimes they try to say things that I don't think I said. You know, I'm like, did I really say that? Then they pull out emails and then writing and because we need to speak the truth. And then he says this, he goes, not only take some things off, he says, I want you to put some things on. Notice tender mercies, which, which means compassion. Kindness, which means excellence and uprightness. Humility, which is, which is, which is lowliness of mind. Meekness, long-suffering. Notice, bearing with one another and showing tolerance and grace and mercy. Forgiving one another, being gracious. And of course, love, which is the bond. Of perfection church what are you what are you wearing today what, what clothes do you have on because you notice in the world that people love to wear brand names you pay a lot of money for a brand name now I will say this I'm gonna be very clear there there is some money that you spend that is related to quality right you you know you, you get what you pay for. So I understand that, that some of it indeed is quality, but a lot of it is the brand. And if we are brand loyal, as a matter of fact, there are brands, Corey, that have taken a certain stance. Like for example, I refuse to buy Nike. I'm not buying Nike. I don't appreciate your stance. I don't appreciate your lack of morality. Um, and I'm not buying your stuff. Now, the problem is, everybody's going this way. So pretty soon we'll all be naked. I'm just telling you right now. But, but we, we walk around with these brands and we don't understand that when you are walking around with their brand, you're also walking around with their ideology. You, you, you represent that. You are saying, I'm in a agreement with what these people are espousing to. Or... Or, or I'm gonna, okay, young people, forgive me here, but you know, we, we love to wear jerseys of sports stars with somebody else's name on the back. Huh? You're not Michael Jordan. You never will be Michael Jordan. Why don't you get the jersey and put your name on the back? They make millions while you sport their name. But in reality, you know what Jesus is saying? Why don't you wear clothing that speaks about me? That demonstrates me. So that when you behave this way, people will know you belong to me. Because the clothes you wear really determines who you belong to. Church, listen, we can go on YouTube right now. I'll tell you who the devil's people are. I'll tell you who God's people are. Now, I'm going to close. Watch how it gets weird. Watch how it gets weird. Because people go, okay, okay, pastor, I get it. I used to dress like this. Now I'm going to dress like this. And, and we come to church and then somebody says, hey, you, you, you have to be looking your best for God. You ever heard that? And then people go and spend thousands to dress for God. Sometimes they can't even afford it. And, and now, 
really what started with, hey, let's present ourselves to God becomes pride in another way because now we want to demonstrate how blessed we are by the things that we wear and the things that we drive. And Paul says that's, that's not the clothing either. It's not how rich you look, how much bling you have. It's that you are wearing the clothing that God has provided for you. I want to say this online. I, I don't feel comfortable today I, 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 in this jacket. This, this jacket physically, when I, you know, I just grabbed it. I ran to the church. I put it on. Look, I used to be fat. Some of you are like, well, you know, pastor, you know. I used to be fatter. <laughs> what are you laughing at, O'Neal? My God, I heard that. But, but then, you know, you go to the gym and so my, my shoulders are bigger, my back's bigger, and I, I don't feel right. I don't feel comfortable in these clothes. Although they're appropriate, I don't feel comfortable. Y you know, sometimes, church, we, we wear clothes that might be okay for a previous season, but they're not right for this season. Huh? It, it was okay for that season. There was a time for this, Jack. You're like, you're like, Pastor, go, go buy another one because Pastor Carolyn won't let me buy it. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna get, <laughs> I'm gonna get killed later when I get home. But, but as a matter of fact, I'm not wearing this jacket again. I don't like it. I don't want to wear it. And so, so you, you gotta put some things off, huh? And allow the great tailor. to sew the clothes for you. Oh, oh, but pastor, I, I, I want to wear what pastor Moses is wearing. But maybe it's not tailored for you. I, almost every Sunday, I tease pastor Moses. I go, is that what you're wearing today? He goes, he goes, yeah. I go, okay. And then, and he goes, is there something wrong? And I go, no, if that's what you want to wear. That's, but, but how many understand that he's 20-something? Are you 20-something still? How old? 28? 29. You are 29? Wow. How, how many know that 29-year-olds can dress in a certain way? I'm not 29. I, I'm not going to dress like a 29-year-old. I'm going to dress like a 58-year-old. Now, there was a day that a 58-year-old, if you didn't come to church in a blue suit with a tie, you were ungodly and unanointed. And so, culturally, some things shifted. So, I, I, I'm not asking you to dress like you're out of the 30s, but you know what, church, dress, I don't want to say, dress your age. Huh? Dress, dress appropriately. Dress professionally. Dress, dress in the right way for the right occasion. so that people will take you seriously and that you'll glorify God because God has dressed you. Well, 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 well pastor, how come they can wear that and, you, and, I, and, I, and I can't? Because you can't. Oh, pastor, God doesn't care. God doesn't care what we dress in. I, I think he does. I think he does if we're not appropriate in what we're wearing. How, how many are still I'm talking about? 
So I believe, here's, here's what I believe Paul is teaching is that as the heart transforms, the outside transforms. 